Hello and welcome to Expedition Photographic. I am your host Cameron, and in today's episode we are going to discuss what's in my camera bag, why I'm not happy with it, and how I plan to solve the problem. If you listened to my previous episode, there was talk of some Nikon APS-C entry-level cameras many years ago, and that really is where the photographic journey began, although it's not where my kit is now. Let's quickly start at the beginning, before we get into what's in there now. The first camera that I owned and purchased myself was a Nikon D3000 with, at the time, the Nikon 18-55 kit lens. Soon afterwards I bought the 70-300 lens, which is not a great piece of glass, but served me really well for, for a long time. The day I went to buy the Nikon, I had saved my money for a while, I was still a student, and I intended to buy the Canon EOS, whatever the model was at the time. Arriving at my local camera shop, the camera salesman had a sale on the Nikon and it was slightly cheaper and I got a few more accessories with it and that's why I bought the Nikon. I know there is fierce rivalry between Canon and Nikon and Sony and Fuji shooters I guess. Uh, I have a really good friend and a great wildlife photographer who we're going to talk to in a few weeks time who is a Canon fanatic um, and his photographs are amazing. He's only ever shot Canon. And the rivalry between us is, has been fierce, although I'm a lot more open-minded these days. So the photographic journey started with Nikon. Although I was very excited with my new camera and took it everywhere and photographed lots of things, people, places, events, parties, I guess. Uh, my main interest was really landscape photography and trying to get into wild and open places, going to the beach to photograph the sun coming up. We would go climbing and I would carry the camera up a mountain or you know, to a crag for the day to photograph some rock climbing. Whatever was going on, I was I was interested in landscape photography and trying to capture people in landscapes or people in action, not really portraits. I fell in love with the Nikon color early on. I had been using a Fujifilm bridging camera before that and not being able to shoot RAW and shooting JPEG, the RAW capabilities of the very entry-level Nikon at the time just really opened possibilities for me. I was very early on introduced to Lightroom by a good friend of mine and have never looked back. I have never tried anything else. Uh, I've been a Lightroom user for the last 15 years and I really still love it. After a few years of shooting with the D3000, I was looking for a camera that could shoot video. The, Nik the, the D3000 didn't have any video capability. The, the buffer wasn't really a problem for me. I was shooting landscapes, but I don't think it could sh do any shutter bracketing either. And I was looking for a little bit of an upgrade. What I was really after was the D7000 or a D7100, but I couldn't afford it at the time. And I upgraded and bought the D5100, which turned out to be a brilliant camera for me. The flip-out screen was really useful for shooting video. I bought the Nikon ME1, I think, microphone that went on the top. Not a great microphone by today's standards, but it really served me well at the time. Definitely better than what was on the camera. And I think these days you can pick up secondhand for almost nothing. I've still got it. Um, it's a, a great microphone that I carry with me. It's really small and no batteries. It just fits on anyway. The Nikon D5100 was great. At the time, the buffer was bigger. I was starting to shoot a bit more action stuff so I could hold the, sh hold the shutter button down a little bit longer. In terms of taking photographs, the camera went from 10 megapixels in the D3000 to I think 18 megapixels in the 5100 and it was a great, it was a great step up for me. The D5100 was my primary camera up until I sold it in 2018 and made the switch to Fuji. Before I talk about Fuji, my wife Amy shoots with a Nikon D3200 and 7200 with a Sigma 150-500mm telephoto lens. She also owns a Nikon 
40 millimeter macro lens for APS-C, which is a remarkable lens. It is one of the sharpest lenses and best looking lenses I've had on the front of, uh, of a Nikon camera. The 150 to 500 is great. I know some people look down on it. It's not the most expensive piece of glass, but some of the best photographs that she's taken, some photographs that have won awards and have sold, uh, gone on to sell prints, have been taken with that lens and some of them with the Nikon D3200 behind it. Um, the last photograph that was taken that that went on to really do well, that won an award and went on to do well uh, selling prints, was taken in 2018 with a Nikon 3200, a camera secondhand that you could probably pick up for almost nothing these days. So really it's not always about the gear, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I started to get really interested in portrait photography. As I'd mentioned before, I was really interested in photographing people in landscapes. In 2018, I was introduced to Fujifilm. A friend of mine was shooting on a Fuji X-T2 with the kit lens, the 18-55. to I think it starts at f2.8 and goes to 4 or 5.6. I'd heard about Sony, but I hadn't ever seen one or shot with one. And this friend of mine was shooting with this Fuji X-T2, and I was just blown away. Looking through the viewfinder, I could see exactly how the shot was going to come out just about you know I was all the framing and exposure the compensation was all done through the viewfinder and the results were outstanding the fuji color science for skin tones is just remarkable as well uh, compared to the nikon the the photographs portrait photography just looks stunning when it comes out of a fuji camera there i know that they arrange their pixels in a slightly different way i don't really know the maths or the science behind it but the F fuji colors for shooting people are brilliant I know shooting in RAW doesn't make such a difference. Uh, you'd probably not be able to tell the difference between a, a post-processed Nikon and Fuji photograph, but right out the camera, the Fuji colors look great for, for people. And so I decided to make the switch. Before I sold my DSLR, I bought a Fuji X100F and absolutely fell in love with it, and really then fell in love with Fujifilm. The X100F was this tiny little camera. It looked it didn't look like anything. If anything, people thought it was a film camera. It was completely unassuming. It fitted in my pocket, not in a jeans pocket, but easily in a jacket pocket. Amy would put it in a handbag for me sometimes, but it went with me everywhere. I always had it with me whenever we were out on a little road trip. It was just with me all the time, going to a restaurant for dinner, going out with friends. I always had this little camera with me, and I took thousands and thousands of photographs with it. It took stunning photographs, a 23mm fixed f2 lens on it, which in full frame equivalence, equivalent of about a 35mm lens, but just an amazing camera. It had a built-in flash, the uh, metering and exposure on it was always perfect. Half of the time I didn't even shoot it in RAW, I had it in JPEG. The picture profiles, the film simulations that Fuji provide are outstanding, and it was a brilliant, brilliant camera. I sold it in late 2019 and I am so sorry that I did. If I have ever have regret for selling a piece of gear, it is for selling my X100F. I really, really want it back. I, I'm, I'm, I can't decide if I want the, the new one, the V or the F, but I really want my X100F back. I took loads of landscape photographs with it as well. Uh, so, you know, people that say to me, oh, you'll never be able to take landscapes with it. You know, I, I really did. Okay, it's not, it doesn't have the versatility that sometimes you need a wider or a more zoomed in shot. But in, in terms of having a brilliant, brilliant camera in your pocket all the time, I would highly recommend one. Um, it, it, it's just, it's incredible. I traded it in because at the time, a camera shop in Cape Town, I was living in Durban in South Africa at the time, and a camera shop in Cape Town had the Fuji X-H1 
bundle on special. And I traded in my Nikon D5100, a couple of lenses that I had for it. They weren't nothing fancy. It was a, had an 18-135 and a few other bits and pieces. I traded in the Nikon gear. I traded in the X100F and I bought an X-H1 with the battery grip, two extra batteries and the 16-55 f2.8 lens. The X-H1 is a beast of a camera. However, I don't love it. And I don't know why. It does everything perfectly. It's got every professional feature that I ever wanted in a camera. I, I can hear some people giving me a bit of a hard time now jumping from the D5100 to the X-H1. When I was doing some professional work in between, I would rent whatever I needed. And we're going to get into that in a, in a little bit. I rented Canon full frames, Nikon full frames. and rented some Fujis before I bought the X-H1. I had rented some Sonys by the time I got my hands on, by the time I bought my X-H1. So I had a good, a, a good feel for the what was out there. The X-H1 has every feature on it. It records great video, even now in 2020. I record loads of video with X-H1. The film simulation, the Turner profile shoots a great, really moody sort of video. But it's not, it looks not really for me. I like shooting outdoor stuff and you know, positive, adventurous trips. Um, most of I, most of my shooting is in F-Log, and I, I apply the Fuji LUTs in Final Cut, and the results are great. I can get it to look really colorful or you know, push the color around. It's good enough for me. However, I'm not in love with this camera, and like I said, I don't really know why. I think it's because it's a little bit heavy, that 1655 is a heavy lens, and there are some alternatives. I borrowed a 35mm f1.4 and tried it out the other day, and that is a great lens. It's nice and compact, makes the camera a little bit smaller, but still, it's just, the camera's a little bit big in the hand. You can't quite, it's, it's just a little bit big. It's not as inconspicuous as the X100 was. And I think maybe that's blurring my comparison a little bit. In the back of my mind as well, some of the landscape stuff that I've tried to do with the Fuji hasn't had the same look as that Nikon color. It, uh, it doesn't have that same vivid, bright look the, when you take, you know, you're under an African sky and you've got these green fields and these big blue skies and somehow the Fuji just doesn't quite look like the Nikon did, which I think is sort of pushing me in and out of love with the X-H1. In saying that, it is a brilliant camera, and I think I need to give it more of a chance. 2020 has been a really strange year with lockdown and not being able to get out and do the traveling that we normally do. So most of the year, the camera sat in my cupboard. It's only been out a couple times. I haven't shot a lot of video. I've hardly shot any photography this year while lockdown's been going on. And I think it's unfair to rule out the X-H1 as a brilliant camera now, and it may be the camera that I stick with. However, this is what I'm looking for. If you are a wedding photographer or an aspiring wedding photographer or events photographer, and this is an industry you want to get into, and you've got some really entry-level APS-C DSLR that you're shooting on, and you, you're wanting to take that next step, the first thing you should do is rent. Uh, I mean, that's is, is rent the gear that you want. That's, that's a great way to give everything a try. But it's not always possible. When I lived in Durban in South Africa, it was very difficult to rent gear. There was a, You could rent a Canon 5D, Mark three or four relatively easily. There wasn't a great lens selection. You could get your hands on Nikon full frame, so it was a little bit more difficult, and that was about it. At one point, you could rent Fuji. I think now you can probably rent a Sony, but it's not always so easy to rent. In saying that, the the combination of the X-H1 with the grip on the bottom and the 16 to 55 mm lens, I've photographed a few weddings just with that kit alone. I've got a I've got a backup kit in the car, but. I can photograph a whole wedding the whole day with just that camera. Some people give me a bit of a hard time for the f2.8. 
it's more than fast enough for me. I get a little bit scared with focusing at at the 1.4 end. I know that's a look some people go for. I know the classic Fujifilm wedding photographer setup is the 23.14 and the 56.12, and the results are outstanding. I'm not taking anything away from it. All I'm saying is, as an all-in-one, you never have to take the lens off the camera. You will shoot a whole wedding from bride getting dressed to the last person leaving the reception with the 16-55 f2 lens on it. I've got a Godox flash that goes on the top. I'm not even sure of the model. It's not not the fanciest one. I think it's a 685 2, 685 Mark II. It's perfect for me. I, I, I'd never even get it to full power. So for shooting portraiture events, weddings, photographs of people, a brilliant, brilliant combination. Here's my dilemma. I can't go back to DSLR. I don't think I can ever shoot with a traditional DSLR again. I need an EVF. I want to frame my shot. I want to see what the exposure is going to look like, especially the kind of traveling we do. A lot of it's very fast. You're snapping a picture. Wildlife things are happening quickly. You don't have a lot of time to set things up. You want to be able to be spontaneous and, and grab grab the shot. I'm not trying to replicate the X100F anymore. I've I've got I've, I've managed to separate that in my in my mind. I know that the X100F is a unique camera, and those kinds of cameras are unique. I'm going to get another one. I can't decide if I'm going to buy the F or the V. Um, but that's a that's a decision I need to make, and I'm, I'm going to buy one and keep it with me all the time. The idea that I'm playing with at the moment is whether to sell my X-H1 and go back to Nikon mirrorless. So my dilemma is, I don't know what to do now. I don't know whether to stick with the Fuji. I don't know whether to upgrade the Fuji. I don't know whether to go back to Nikon and maybe look at the Z6 or the Z7 Mark II. I don't know whether to jump across to Canon. Some of the Canon RF lenses look amazing, and the new R5 and R6 are brilliant looking cameras. Thrown into this whole mix is that I want to replace Amy's camera as well. I need a telephoto lens, and I want to travel with a more compact kit. I don't want to travel with my X-H1 and with the Nikon and the Nikon telephoto and try and shoot video at the same time. I need it all in one. I need one camera body or two camera bodies that are the same system that I can swap all the lenses. I have a need for telephoto. Not that extreme. APS-C, I could get away with 400 mils, so... Nikon and Canon have a you know really established and b- brilliant lens lineup there. Fuji is a little bit different. People either love or hate the 100 to 400, and I've seen people use the 50 to 140 with a two-ton teleconverter on it. I'm not convinced that that's the way to go for wildlife, but but there's another problem I have with the Fuji lens system, and it's got nothing to do with Fuji lenses. They are brilliant lenses. They're all metal. They're heavy. They are brilliantly made, and most of them are weather-sealed. I absolutely love the Fuji glass, especially photographing people. As we try to take people along the way on our adventures, I'm shooting more and more video. And this brings me on to a dilemma I think I have created all for myself, and it's not really a problem. I'd be really interested to hear anyone's feedback on this, because I really don't know what to do. Nikon lenses don't easily adapt onto cinema cameras. Uh, I've had a, a brief play with uh, some of the Z-cam models, I've fiddled with the new baby red. I've rented some Sony FX, FX5s, FX7s. I've had my hands on some of the Canon C200s and very briefly a C300 Mark III, which is total overkill for what I need. But I'm just trying to think ahead all the time. I'm thinking I may want to look at a more dedicated video camera and I don't want a whole nother bag full of lenses. The Fuji lenses are never going to fit on any of those camera systems. Um, 
Canon's new RF lenses are great and the mount is great, but without getting into a technical discussion about flange distance and focusing systems, the Fuji lenses are never going to fit on any of those cameras. So if I stick with Fuji, if I build a whole Fuji kit out, I know that if I want to shoot more professional video and I ever want a cinema camera, none of those lenses are ever going to fit. If I look at the Canon mount cameras, I look at the Z cam, the Blackmagic's uh, Canon cinema cameras, you've got to be a little bit careful with APS-C lenses and full frame lenses. I know a very popular combination is the Sigma 18-55 to or yeah, 18 to 18 to 35 f1.8 and then i know a lot of people use the 5100 f1 and f1.8 as well and a great combination i've seen brilliant results with them um although if you're going down that road you now have APS-C lenses that are in the ef mount and then you're looking at ef cameras which you back into dslr so some uh, that's why i'm sort of all over the place to really throw a spanner in the works Amy and I were planning a trip to a game reserve in South Africa, a private reserve called Nambiti, and a lodge on the reserve called Springbok Lodge. If you haven't been there, Google it, check it out, go on our website, have a look. It is an amazing place. We will be back there soon. If you want to come with us, drop me a message. That would be an interesting conversation. But, but we were planning this trip to this lodge, and I really wanted to shoot a lot of video. Um, I had this at the time, all Nikon set up for photography. And I was using it for photography. Amy was shooting with a long lens. I was shooting landscape stuff as we were in the reserve. Amy had this long lens on photographing animals. I was looking for a video camera. I wanted to video much more of this journey. Amy was obviously shooting much more than me. There wasn't as much landscapeness as you're sitting on the back of a Land Rover and being driven around. It was an odd photograph, but really I was morning and nights was when I was interested in taking photographs or sunrises and sunsets and, and a little bit of astrophotography in the dark. But I wanted to shoot way more video. And a friend of mine said to me, why don't you borrow my camcorder? He said, I've got a Nikon NX5R um, a HD big camcorder. He said, it is a brilliant camera. It's stabilized. It nails the focus every time. Uh, and he said, it's, it's a great camera. Take it with you. Give it, a, give it a try. And he delivered this camera to me in a big flight case. And it was, it was big. I'd never... Uh, you know, I, I remember my parents having a handy cam and shooting some home videos in my childhood, but I hadn't ever really considered a camcorder. And we went on the trip. I shot a couple hours of video on this big camera, and it was brilliant. I came back, loved the video. The footage was all perfectly in focus. The audio on it was so easy to control. And I came back thinking, man, I want a camcorder. Having a smaller sensor sort of changed the look. I'd always been filming video on a DSLR camera and sort of working with a larger sensor and DSLR glass. Um, but this camcorder really threw something into the mix and I really, I really loved using the camcorder. It was so easy to use. The controls were great. It was dedicated to video so you weren't sort of there were no hacks or funny little nuances or quirks that you had. It just worked. You turned it on and pushed the button and it, it worked. And it had this amazing zoom range on it. It had equivalent, I don't even know what the equivalent is, but I could get really close to some wildlife that was far away. Holding the camera close against my body was really stable. And I could get these really stable shots that a little bit of work in Final Cut could get even more stable. Just about looked like it was on a tripod. And I loved this camera. And then started to play with this idea of shooting video with a camcorder and not trying to shoot video with a DSLR or a cinema camera. Um, 
was just it's way more practical. We plan to shoot a lot of four by fouring content in in the next few years, and I know on those four by four trips there is not a lot of time for for fiddling with cameras. I need to pick a camera up out of a bag, turn it on, and be able to shoot video. And what worries me about something like a Z cam, which I really love, I love the Z cam. The color looks great. I, I really want one. What worries me is it's all rigged up and it's fiddly, there's wires all over the place and I'm going to be in an environment which is dusty, muddy, could be wet and there's a lot of little bits. I'm going to have to put a external audio recorder on it. You've got this monitor, there's all these batteries and cables and wires and it's great in a controlled environment but I'm going to be in a very uncontrolled, messy, dusty environment and the idea that I can pull out a camcorder, turn it on and it just works is really appealing. Again, I don't really know what to do. I go from wanting the Canon 705, which is a really big camera, looking at the Sony Z190 and the 280. Again, big cameras. I've looked at some of the smaller ones, the Canon XF400, I think, and I think they do the XA50 now. I haven't really ever played with one or or used one properly, and I, I intend to. And that kind of rounds up this whole story. I hope you followed so far. I hope it hasn't been disjointed. To give it a very quick summary before we talk about what we're going to do now is I started with Nikon. I fell in love with the Fuji X100F. Sold it. Regretted still. Cannot stress enough how much I'm sorry I sold that camera. Got into the Fuji system. Don't know what to do about video. And now, and now I'm trying to decide what to do. If I buy a camcorder... I may very well stick with Fuji for photography and buy some long lenses for Fuji. I may even buy some Canon glass and adapt it for Fuji. Unfortunately, you cannot find a an adapter to get Nikon F-mount glass onto a Fuji body that enables autofocus and the stabilization to work. I would love to put my Sigma lens on the Fuji, which I can do, but I'm going to lose autofocus. And when you're sitting on the back of a Land Rover driving through the African bush, and you're trying to nail focus on something that could be quite far away, you need autofocus. Manual focus is just not an option in a situation like that for me. Maybe for other people it is, but for me it's not. I'm going to have to, if I want to put long lenses on the Fuji and I don't like the Fuji native glass, uh, which I haven't really tried, I'm going to have to go Canon EF mount and adapt it to the Fuji. Um, If I go the Blackmagic route, the Z cam route, even the Canon C70 I've had a look at or uh, go the Canon cinema route then I'm looking at EF glass and then it makes sense to get into the Canon ecosystem to shoot photos as well so that it's all the same and interchangeable. The Canon C70 makes a really good case for this because of the RF mount on it so if you're shooting with photographs with a Canon R6 or R5 you got all these interchangeable lenses with the C70 which is great. Like I said, we do some printing, and when you print, you obviously want as many megapixels as possible. So something like the R5, which is really pushing megapixels, the new Nikon Z7 Mark II, or the original Z7, which is shooting really high megapixels. The only other thing that lives in my camera bag are a couple of GoPros. I'm going to buy the new one soon, the the Hero 9, I think. Um, I'll buy the medium mod so I can put a microphone on it. I've got a Rode Wireless Go, which is a great microphone, and I've got a Rode NTG, which is the most useful microphone I've ever owned. I've had a few that I've bought and sold and adapted and used all kinds of weird things over the years, but the Rode NTG is brilliant. Um, I can record a podcast on it, plugged into USB, uh, put it on top of my camera. I've 
can plug it into the wireless go and use it as a wireless boom mic it, it just works brilliantly um i even use it for zoom meetings and conference calls and people always get compliments on how good the audio is so a great bit of kit and it's really compact as well i'll take it off the road mount if i'm traveling and i'm trying to travel a lot i just throw it in my bag great great microphone i also own a dji mavic pro we'll talk about drones another time if you've made it this far and I haven't bored you to death with a waffle about cameras, thank you so much for listening. Next week we are talking about four-wheel drives, off-roading, overlanding. It's going to be a great episode.